Lock us in, Trav. Take us out, Captain. Let's go. Roll for initiative. Roll that beautiful bean footage. Roll your balls. (laughs) (laughs) That's a reference that only people who I think went to the pub and family fun center in Huntington, West Virginia will get. Yeah. Hi, welcome. Welcome to the first episode of the Adventure Zone Dust. Mm, I can taste it. I can taste the dust in my mouth. Dust. Oh, 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 God. It's a it's a double entendre. Uh, because one is taking place on, in the dusty old west, but two, in the context of like ashes to ashes and dust to dust, it begins with a murder. Dun dun. dun. I love I love this part of any fiction. Uh, I love my favorite part is the first paragraph of the stand. When Stephen King's like, this book is called The Stand, because later in the book, some good people will take a stand against bad people. Get it? Get it? Anyway, on with the story. This is how the prologue of every good story begins. <laughs> Let me tell you why I picked this title. Hi, I'm Travis. Um, so, th- this It was is the best of times, it was the worst of times. There were two cities, and this is the story <laughs> of them, and yeah. how they did their thing. This is their tale. Alright, if we're done with all the fun and games... There's a little orphan later in the story. He shows up soon. His name is Oliver Twist, and this book is about him. You're going to love him. You're going to love his whole thing. He's a real rascal. He's a rascal. And he doesn't believe in Christmas. Wait. Oliver Twist doesn't believe in Christmas? Yeah, it's all part of the the same (laughs) universe. (laughs) So Oliver Twist grows up to be Ebenezer Scrooge? Yes, absolutely. Travis, will you please tell us about the adventure? Yes. So, um, to start off with, a little, little more background. So originally, I talked about creating my own game system for this. And then what I learned was, that's really fucking hard. <laughs> um, there are people who work for years and years and years, and they only do the one thing. And still, then they play test it for years and years after that. So, I wanted I wanted to believe in you and nurture that flame. But there was an element of hubris. You could say, yeah, I'll just make my own. It's like... But this is a hard, it's an extremely hard thing. Well, because then I started to think, like, well, what if they want to do this? And I was like, man, I don't know. And so instead, I set out to look for a game system pre-existing. And I really, really like the Powered by the Apocalypse Monster of the Week that we've been doing for Amnesty. And so at first, I started off thinking about that. But then the problem was Monster of the Week, um, as the name implies, builds to, like, fighting a big monster in each arc. And that's not really what I had in mind for this. And so I started looking for other versions of Powered by the Apocalypse. And what I found is a game system called Urban Shadows. We should we it, should really drive home because I feel like on paper, it may sound like this is going to be kind of a similar thing because Urban Shadows also has a lot of like monster centric stuff in it. But lo- really a cursory look at the two systems and their their genre and the rules and the focuses of the different game the foci are they could not be more more different yeah you'll hear some of the same terms like it, the same way of if you roll uh you know a 2 to 6 or a 7 to 9 or a 10 to 12 that kind of thing um and like adding one to roll you'll hear a lot of the same terminology but Urban Shadows really, uh, so originally the one thing I knew right off the top of 
of of my head when thinking about an arc is I wanted it to be based around the interactions of vampires, werewolves, and humans, not as like you know monsters versus hunters, but more as like people who didn't see eye to eye and get along. And, like, that there was, like, tension between them. Not, like, one hunts the other. But just, like, as they passed each other in the street, there was tension. And so what's great about Urban Shadows is that's what it is. So Urban Shadows, the driving kind of mechanic is factions. And the other driving uh, force in Urban Shadows is debt. So the way it works is if you do something for someone and both uh, players or the MC and the player agree that that is like worthy of a debt, that person then owes you something that you can call in and they either have to do it or risk taking a penalty if they refuse to honor the debt. And, and all, so, all that stuff is tangible game mechanics. Like these are yeah. numerical values that you add to like critical roles. So it's so much more about the interpersonal interactions and connections than it is about fighting. Um, and on top of that, what I really love is that unlike D&D and uh, I would also say um, Fate and uh, and Monster of the Week, this this is really kind of ready for player versus player disagreements and conflict. So like you don't have to get along. And in fact, the start of every session begins with um, the MC asking each player which character does your character like distrust the most? And so it's all about like not necessarily getting along. You can still all be working towards the same goal and still work together. But the idea that just like you're inherently friends because you work together is just not really the way it always worked. And so I, I just love, I, I think the, the interactions, the mechanics, but also like, the characters and the setup feels very different to me than any of the arcs we played so far. And so I'm really looking forward to that. Here's what I want. This is not as, as Griffin pointed out to me the other day, my goal here is not to be grim dark. My goal. It's not like everybody's so super broody and nasty to each other and filled with hate. It's just more tense, you know, like for example, Right. A lot of times in balance, we would, you know, kind of goof with like the player characters would, would make a joke to an NPC that if you said to someone in real life would offend them or like make the, the make the conversation go pretty south pretty quickly. But we rolled with it because we were joking. Right. And I think that that's going to be a little different in this because it's so about interpersonal uh, interactions that like if you're trying to get information from someone and you make a joke about their you know th the way they're dressed or their something voice or their shiny bow tie right or um how they weigh spell slots that's going to be let there they are then going to be less willing to give you the information what if it's a very want. okay but what if it's a very funny joke well then that's the thing much. i'm not saying you can't joke i just think that use it as a resource you know what i mean where aren't you Aren't you penalizing me for trying to make our comedy podcast funnier then? Yes. Um, okay, good. That's what this folks, these arcs are limited. I do want to remind you <laughs> just a few episodes of the, the one that's intentionally not funny. 
Well, you know, humor is different for different people, Justin. Maybe, <laughs> maybe some people will find it funny that I penalize you for making a joke. That, that, could be fun. that would be funny to me. I will enjoy that moment. And so that's the thing. I, I don't want it to sound like I'm going to make this dark and no one's going to have fun. But it's it's more like uh, uh, it's just a little grittier. It's a little more westerny. You know, I I don't want it to be um, as lighthearted, but I'm also not trying to depress everyone with this. I'm just trying to be a little bit more realistic in the interactions that y'all have with each other and with uh, the, the the players uh, or with the non-playable characters. Um, so Griffin, you've done this more times than me. What what else do I need to tell people about this? Um, I mean, as I long guess- as we're ta- as long as we're talking about tone, we should address kind of the elephant in the room of um, I- interpreting and incorporating like real world Wild West sort of social yeah. issues, which is uh, something that I think you've been very thoughtful of while sort of crafting this. Yeah, so. In in preparation for this arc, you know, I thought a lot about the Wild West and and historically what life would be like uh, as far as like the social issues and incredible massive amounts of racism and misogyny that would be present. And, you know, I saw a lot of people when I talked about doing the Old West kind of arc and they were made uncomfortable by that concept. And you know what? So am I. And I don't mean uncomfortable like I didn't want to discuss it or that I want to pretend like it didn't happen. But more so is that I, I've seen from a lot of people that this show is an escape for them. And we, I mean, we try our best to like make worlds that are inclusive and not filled with rampant racism and misogyny, even though that was sort of the case back in the Wild West. Like, r- rubber hits the road. Like, I don't want to be interacting with racist and misogynist NPCs, and I don't think that uh, the listeners necessarily want that either. Yeah, so this is going to be a world inspired by, uh, designed after, but not actually the Old West. So yeah, it's not set in our world. And I think that that also tracks because our world doesn't have vampires and werewolves and demons and ghosts that, that we, we know. know. Okay, I'm glad we went <laughs> okay. to the same place. All right. <laughs> And another thing we talked about is not because this is another sort of um, problematic trope that pops up whenever you do supernatural drama stuff like this is treating um, relations between uh, different supernatural things like vampires and werewolves as an allegory or a parallel to racism, which is, I think, pretty dismissive of uh, very, very serious and very real problems that deal like people deal with day to day and that Absolutely. is also not like the, what we're doing the way i've heard you described it is like this is about sort of f- families yeah this uh, is way rivalries. more hatfield and mccoy this yeah, is sure. like like uh, the blackwells run the copper mine the mathises run the silver mine um so like they're competing business interests they both have pretty equal like areas of the town they run and it's really and I'll get into this when I intro it, but it's really that this town is on the decline. And so there's all this tension that just comes from that. Yeah. So it all comes down to like the families don't like each other. And because these families don't like each other, they're the factions have naturally split into the people who side with each family. So it's not necessarily like the entire race of werewolves in this world we've created and the entire race of vampires don't like each other. It is specifically these two families, you know, sure. and how they interact. Because that's the thing. What I love about Urban Shadows is it gets down to, like, 
how individuals interact with each other. And as the only one of us who was alive back during the Wild West, <laughs> I, I, think it's a, I think it's a good choice. A good yeah. choice. Um, so let's talk a little bit more about the, the world, uh, both of Urban Shadows and specifically uh, the town of Dry River. Um, which is where we were playing. So, dry, now, dry how does a river get dry? Well, we'll talk about that in the course oh, okay. of the show. Um, and so, Dry River um, is in the Crescent Territory originally, uh, the Crescent River, now the Crescent Ravine. Um, and so, it's this kind of unincorporated territory. And so, one of the things about uh, Urban Shadows is you're dealing with kind of power struggles and in in it's kind of originally uh, Urban Shadows is kind of built to be in like a big city and in, in fact the book encourages you like you can use real cities if you want or create your own so you can set it in like Chicago or you I, can create it, your own world I mean it's called Urban Shadows yes. it's not called Rural Old Timey Shadows right and so rather than just have kind of this individual town of like a thousand people, I've created a territory, a, a think more of like a, a state. So all of them are very connected. So there's like mining interests and criminal organizations that kind of thrive in this un unincorporated territory. So rather than thinking like city, I'm thinking of it more as like a territory. And I, I worked with uh, Brendan from Magpie Games, who, who makes Urban Shadows, to kind of make sure I wasn't breaking the system at all with this. And so like we talked about connecting these and making sure there were still these power systems of like the workers versus the mining owners, the criminal organizations versus some kind of law keeping body. And so making sure that there was still something to push against, uh, for, for all these, these different people and, and factions and that kind of thing. Um, because otherwise it's just chaos and that's not as interesting. Um, so yeah, let's talk a little bit about characters and what they mean. Um, so a lot of the archetypes you'll see is the same in like, listen, as I flip through my giant RPG binder, um, you'll see a lot of the same ar kind of archetypes as there are in D&D &D and Monster of the Week and, and even some similar ones in Fate. Um, do you boys want to tell me about your characters, or do you want me to go through some of the basic it's, archetypes first? It's it's worth mentioning that the archetypes are divided into the four factions, which are uh, what is it? Mortal. Yeah. Uh, so it's mortality, night, power, and wild. And so mortality is like your human hunters, or your aware. So aware is like they know something's going on, but they don't have any inherent skills. So they're kind of your like. They keep their eyes open. They can tell you about stuff they saw. They're well-researched, but without any, like, inherent fighting abilities. So you have, like, your uh, aware hunter veteran mortals, right? And then in your knight, that's where you get your vampires, your werewolves. And then in your power, that is someone who has taken on power. Uh, so, like, an oracle or a wizard, um, and then in Wild, that's where you get, like, your Tainted, who are in league with demons, or Fae, who are these, like, you know, the Fae fairy creatures. Um, and so if you're in those factions, you inherently get along better. So another interesting thing about Urban Shadows that makes it really great for storytelling is 
it gives you a lot of the big points, you know, like this is a vampire, this is what they can do. This is a werewolf, this is what they can do. This is someone who's tainted with demon, this is what they can do. But as far as the like supernatural lore, it leaves a lot of room to fill in, right? So for our story, vampire vampirism and like lycanthropy are hereditary. And so they are vampire families and werewolf families. And it's not about being turned. It is genetic. So, like, if you have a werewolf parent and a human parent, they are co-dominant genes. So it's 50-50 chance the child will be a werewolf. If both- Can you, can in this world, can you still turn somebody? Or is that just, like, not how it works? Um, I, I think that it's not how it works unless, you know what I mean? Because when we're talking about there are wizards, there are fey creatures there are demons i don't want to rule anything out because the okay. the, the most of them of most of them were b- born into it is what you're saying yeah but okay. that that genetic mutation had to start somewhere you know okay, what i mean I so, yeah. dracula let's start with dracula it had to start with dracula um so yeah so and a lot of that also that's that's about the only decision i've made and then past that when we're creating characters I'm probably going to ask you questions like, so how does it work as far as this? And you will help fill in as the creator of these characters, help fill in the supernatural lore as we go. Okay. So uh, I think we've danced around it long enough. Why don't we start? Uh, Justin, do you want to tell me about your character? Sure. I'd love to, Trav. Then please um, do. Well, then I will. Okay. Here it comes. Fine. Do it. Coward? Okay, Justin, your turn. What's wrong, baby? You scared like a baby? <laughs> My turn is starting now. I am playing, which she, it seems predetermined considering our lives at this point. I'm playing a ghost <laughs> um, whose name is Augustus Parsons. Now, did I realize when I picked the name Augustus that it sounds like a ghost? I did not. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I did not put that together. Thank you so much. A, but a, that, a ghost us that'll be the name of your clothing that line. is what that is where we find ourselves he is the um or was the uh boss the chief executive officer of the augustus parsons cashew company and he was uh an industrial magnate who uh died uh through mysterious circumstances and he is trapped here on earth and he was a very he was not a good person he was a bad person um as as many wealthy industrialists are i guess just like all of us there's good and bad um but he he uh is is trapped here on earth and what the way Travis and I talked about it is that this sort of uh agency or or what have you that we are a part of um he is bound into service to them to make up for the wickedness that he did uh, during his life. Now, um, as, as far as that goes, J-Man, is it like once he's ticked enough boxes or is it just like when there is no predetermined... Let's have a fucking show you guys reference all the time that nobody's ever watched, the 99 Deeds of... What's his face? Oh, oh yeah, no, where he had to he had to save a hundred souls or ninety nine souls. The hundred lives of Blackjack Savage, my friends. Yeah, uh, hundred lives of Blackjack Savage. You the could also hit. you could also relate it to Cupid with Paramy Jivens, where Paramy Jivens <laughs> had to get a hundred couples let's together. Not, let's not make that the anchor. <laughs> okay, we'll stick with hundred so lives anyway, of Blackjack Savage. Yeah, it's much more relatable. 
Uh, it's nothing finite because I don't think I think that that would imply that he could somehow balance mm-hmm. like what he did in his in his mortal life. Um, I think that the deal is much more <laughs> ephemeral than that. He assumes that he will be released at some point, but he doesn't have like. <gasps> A meter. I can't wait to hear salvation meter. I can't wait to hear what kind of sins that really hard nosed cashew business requires for uh, for for folks to get ahead. You wouldn't believe it. It's nuts. Ah, oh, Jesus. See, God. there's still jokes. Yeah, there's still going to be jokes, and it's all going to be sort of nut uh, ca- cashew based humor. The Main reason that he there when you create a character a specter, there's questions you need to answer. Um, who are you? Check. Uh, who do you still love? I still love my cashew company, and that is something that I'm still very preoccupied with. Uh, I, I'm thinking a lot about how the business is being run, uh, and I'm I'm like trying to keep an eye on the business while I uh, also um, slam evil. As the Phantom uh-huh. uh, once instructed oh, us to man. do. It's like Undercover Boss. Um, it's sure. a lot like Undercover Boss. If, Invisible if the cover like he's Invisible under boss. is a bed sheet with eye holes cut out. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Invisible Boss. And um, uh, he also has a uh, a daughter. Um, the, he was not a, this will come as a shock. He was not a great uh, father in his life. His name, his daughter's name is Anna Cardium Parsons. And uh, she is in the care of uh, Travis. What you, sorry, you texted me the, the, the church. Sorry. Yeah. The, in, in the care of the church. Um, so he can't necessarily, I think that like it, it is, unpleasant for him to sort of check up on her that that being a church and it being like a lot of it's sort of like uh, a weird vibe for a ghost i think to hang out in so except for the holy ghost yes the holy ghost and jesus christ of course were permitted within the church the church is like the the church body you know what i mean so it's not like a specific building but more of like the governing church body in this unincorporated territory is the church, right? So someone works for the church, you know what I mean? Think that kind of thing rather than, oh, I'm going to go to the church. It's, ah, he works for the church, right? Uh, and also, yes, and also because they are providing for the welfare of his daughter, he owes them two debts, so I don't know, Trav, if you want to think of that as like a certain person in the church that he owes two debts to or just the entity itself. I don't know what ba- makes the best fit. I, w- um, I would say that um, for for the purposes of this territory spread out, that it is the entity of the church, you owe two debts. You know what I mean? That it's yeah. like the church can call in and maybe that's they call in. the. the so the organization that you all three are agents of is I'm calling it the Grayson Agency. Um, and it's very much like the Pinkertons. Um, if anyone's familiar with that, where they are kind of uh, detectives slash arbiters slash muscle for hire. They are not necessarily a law keeping. They are not. I'm not even necessarily. They are not a law uh, law keeping organization. It is bodyguards or whatever you need. Um, and so you you are all agents of that. So maybe it's like the the church could call in the debt with the Grayson agency to have you investigate something, or the church a a member of a representative of the church could specifically call in that favor from you. Um, 
and I have named some uh, organizations and people after uh, listeners. Uh, the Grayson Agency is named after Grayson Berg. Not any, because some people, I wanted to leave the option that maybe they are bad villain type people, and I didn't want to name yeah, yeah, bad yeah. villain type people. Uh, the, you, nice you referenced listeners. the Pinkertons, and we should probably clear up that we're not going to be doing any union busting in this game. I think that also goes against <laughs> yes. the ethos no, no, of, no, no, no. of what we're going for. No, no, no. No no union breaking. Um, Cool. So, uh, Justin, a couple other sure. questions that go along with the uh, uh, with the character creation. How long have you been in the territory and with the Graysons? Five years I've been. I mean, the, the cashew company is in the territory, so I've, I've been in the territory – uh, my whole life it, it's old money um but i i have been dead i think five years okay sounds about right so i've been with the graysons five years so then how old is anna she is 12 he's a bad father yeah and that doesn't magically <laughs> get fixed yeah because he's a ghost well let's uh, face it you? cashews are easy to love Cashews are easy to love. So delicious. What's the, is there a movie about a ghost that's trying to be a good da- a ghost dad? So he's not a ghost <laughs> Jack dad. Fr- Jack Frost. <laughs> Jack Frost. Thank there you. That's be another. a lot of movies about it. And the actually, Shining. In, the Shining. In, bo- in well, both those examples, except for The Shining, it does magically turn you into a good dad. <laughs> if, okay, if so this reserves. isn't a ghost dad scenario. Yeah. Um, in, many, in many senses of the word. Who is your closest confidant in the territory? So I don't really th- oh man i haven't really thought that way because i've kind of seen him as somebody who's kind of apart a from it well can i make a suggestion um, just from what yeah, you've please. given me so far is who took over the cashew company that that uh augustus is maybe most in contact with as far as like so confidant i think for augustus maybe doesn't mean tells their deepest darkest secrets but maybe the person that they still feel most connected to um, and that they interact with the most. So it was uh, was there somebody who took over the cashew company when Augustus passed? Yes, uh, Garrett Altizer, and he's he hates his guts. He thinks he's an absolute nincompoop. He, if he had known he was going to die, he would have created some sort of succession plan to some of the more competent people. But Garrett Altizer is the one who sort of like ascended to running it, and he is the main person that he is uh, haunting. Um, because to to try to make him do a better job was Garrett kind of like a yes man that Augustus kept around? Yes, yeah, okay, yes, yes, exactly. Garrett is sort of not unlike a Smithers uh-huh. type, um, but he does not. Uh, he uh, except that Smithers, I think, would do a very competent job. Uh, he and and maybe Garrett Altizer is doing a competent job, but but in the the views of Augustus, he is uh incompetent. Uh, last question, and then we'll talk about like the the moves that Augustus gets. But last question, what? Oh yeah, he's got lots of cool moves. moves. What do you desperately need? I, what I desperately need is uh to return to my corporeal form and take control of my cashew company. But barring that, I guess, release from my spectral prison, so at least I don't have to see Altizer uh, run my precious jewel of a company into the ground. So, who wants to go next? You don't want to talk Wait, about his powers? Yeah, let's talk about you your sick moves. Yeah, I'll I'll blow through it real quick, because it's, it's uh, uh, kind of uh, pretty ghost-like. And maybe and tell simple. us a little bit um, about your the demeanor and, and looks and stuff as well. So in the um, character creation process, it gives you options on like your look and your demeanor uh, for you to pick from. So I chose uh, male and Caucasian, and that's kind of boring because that's what I am. Uh, so that's how I kind of roll. But um, I thought since he's like not a great dad, 
seem like kind of yucky sure uh to to pick a, a different race to depict him and also like like he's an evil industrialist which like that's probably a white guy right i mean yeah probably i would guess so that's that's what we're going with the the demeanor here is uh antiquated i think that that's probably the best like you know sort of at least socially speaking a gentleman you know as the as those things go um that's sort of his his thing i think of him as like he was Definitely in his like late sixties, with like uh, think like frock coat, like really dressed to the nines. He's somebody who was very uh, put together and and focused very much on his appearance. Craggy, angular, uh, sort of sort of dude. So that's how I sort of envision him. Um, he his cool powers are one is he can manifest, so he can choose to be two of these heard seen or can touch or be touched um i have to choose two if i want to choose one or three i have to take a corruption point um now that's at a time as i understand it so this isn't like something you have to predetermine now no in each situation i have to choose which of those two i can that is such a fucking cool way to do ghosts in a game it's really cool um the other abilities i've chosen are uh one uh is called uh ghost town um and that means i can go hang out with ghosts to try to find more information um and i that i i feel like he finds them contemptible but you know they they're a useful resource from time to time uh and then the uh the other one is uh wall what wall <laughs> Uh, he always has the option to escape. Great. Um, and then I can choose an additional option off the list to bring somebody with me, uh, for, for, uh, for that. But I, I think it's mainly just him being able to leave. Um, you also, so another cool thing about urban shadows is like, you have your basic moves, but they, oh, 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 by the way, well, last thing, if I fail that role, that escape role, it attracts the attention of dangerous spirits and ghosts in the area. Yep. <laughs> Fuck. Yeah. Um, so you also have drama moves. Um, so there's a Johnny drama moves, Johnny drama moves. There is a uh, concept in, in urban shadows called corruption. And so basically corruption is any time you let your character slip closer to the darker inner parts of their nature, they get a little bit more corrupted. And if they get fully corrupted, they retire from your control to my control as a danger to the city. So good. Um, and so if you give into the darker part of your nature um, and allow corruption to happen, then I get to keep you. What's what's awesome is that before you get to that point where it, the your character becomes an NPC threat, you actually get more powerful. Yep. You get other right. you get new powers because that's that's th- this is something that video games fuck up so much of like the good and evil slider where it's just like, oh yeah, you can, are you going to rob this person? Or are you going to, you know, help them out? Either way, you're going to get this cool sword. And it's like, well, then it doesn't fucking, it doesn't matter as much. Like Bioshock did this a lot, right? Where it's like, do you want to harvest the, the, the little girl for her magic energy? Or do you want to save her? No matter what, you're going to end up getting like cool, cool powers and stuff like that. When really, like, if you do the evil thing, there's a reason behind it, and it's because you're pursuing some sort of power in right. some way. And this game is like, yeah, you get more powerful and more powerful and more powerful, and then you become an enemy. 
and that's really cool. Yeah, his uh, he gets like the ability to possess people and stuff, stuff like that. The more corrupt, I'm gonna be. Uh, he's gonna go pretty corrupt pretty quick. Yeah, that's kind of my plan. And so, what what do you what happens? What is the corruption move of a specter? The specter corruption drama move is when I see someone being victimized and do nothing, I mark a corruption. So good. There's also along with corruption moves, there are also intimacy moves. Where if you have a moment of intimacy and maybe that's romantic or maybe it's just a a close conversation or whatever, whatever we determine in play is an intimacy moment, then each different uh, archetype gets a different intimacy move that they can then use. Um, My my intimacy move is – it's really cool actually. When I have a moment of intimacy with someone, um, I hold one. And whenever they get into trouble, I can spend my hold to instantly go to where they are. It's like Al from from Quantum. Exactly, it's yeah. very it's my nice. it's my Ziggy move. Um, and then we also have you know a bunch of standard stuff, and we'll talk more about advances and everything when we get to it. But this is a this is a little bit crunchier of a game than Monster of the Week was, so I don't think we need to go into like every. Yeah. We'll get every to them when we get to them. Um, yeah, I'm just trying trying to see. Okay, so who wants to go next? Dad, you want to you want to do it? Sure. Yeah. Um, who are you? Oh, 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 what, what faction is the specter? Oh, I mean, it's, it's not really a certain faction. He, no, but it says like, it says a member, it says a member of blank. Uh, well, he would technically be knight. Okay. All right. Sorry, dad. No, it's all right. Um, my character is called Gandhi dancer. I did not know this was a thing until you yeah. explained it. I did my research, man. Um, yeah, you're a real nerd. Her parents were workers on the Ocean to Ocean Railroad. Um, the old O-T-O. The old O-T-O. The um, O-T-O. And uh, there was an accident in which they were killed, but in very heroic fashion, they, they saved about a dozen of their co-workers, and they both died. And yes, that's typically what happens when people are killed. And, and so, <laughs> well, to be fair, this is a world with like specters and stuff. Yeah, so. that is a fair point, Travis. I did not consider ghosts. And and you know what? Put an asterisk next to that. Maybe that's something <laughs> we want to we want to go back to. The, the options always there. You know what um, I mean? So, uh, Emil Mosh, who was the head of the uh, of the of the OTO, the the multi. Did you the, name this uh, person after your own middle name? I actually named this person after my own great grandfather, whose name oh, okay. was Emil Mosh. Now, I do want to point out, I specifically made the choice not to name characters that might end up being jerks after our listeners, but you just went ahead. Oh, I don't. I don't for your grandfather. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if he was a jerk or not. I don't think, but he, he could be. He, he could be. Oh, you don't know if your grandfather was a jerk or not. I okay, think, that's fair. Great grandfather. Okay. My grandfather was great. Uh, anyway, Mosh. Partly maybe for PR, partly to be a sound business decision. Uh, Mosh has sort of um, taken taken her under his wing and and has and agreed to like pay for anything for her life. To now, let's her- clarify that though. Yeah, you say taken is that like. He has had direct influence. No, or just like no, okay, no. So he's, My, he's just, created a bankroll for. He's her. buying off. Yeah, you it's know, a legal it, settlement. It's a legal settlement. It's a PR move. It's just good business. And but I don't want to completely make Emil sound like a complete doofus. I mean, I think there was actually some gratitude on on his part for their heroics. But for the most part, it, it it's it's 
like a settlement. It's 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 to to get good publicity and and then at the same time take care of this 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 child. She's a wizard, so I guess that puts her in the uh, power in the She's power. In power. Yeah, right. Um, and she has traveled the world studying everything she could about magic. She's obsessed with the arcane. She's collected books and artifacts, learning every possible thing that she could. They call her Gandhi Dancer because when her parents were killed, the other workers didn't know her name. They named her Gandhi Dancer. For one thing, Gandhi Dancer is somebody that worked on the railroads. So now she has come back. And uh, the railroads, she loves the railroads, so she uh, she came back. She worked for a while uh, as a uh, as uh, an agent on the railroads, and then she uh, she got this job. How long have you been in the territory and with the Graysons? I think she's been with the Graysons for a couple of years. Are the Graysons based in dry river is that what you said they are based in the crescent territory yes i would say that she's been working the territory for maybe a year so does she have to be familiar with the actual town no no i th- i think she's really new to the town she's on an assignment gotcha 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 i think it's fascinating having somebody who's like a world traveler who is here who probably just sees it as just another stop like another another pin in the map yeah it's kind of a gig to her I mean, because her job is really not her primary drive. I mean, it's just a, a means to an end, right? Um. So, what keeps you up at night? She's absolutely terrified of death. Relatable. She is too real. Too real. She is obsessed with it. After I mean, because she saw her parents, whether it was heroic or not, even as an infant, it stuck with her. Oh, I think something like that stuck with her. Yeah. Is she trying to beat it? Yeah, I like cool. that. Let's go ahead and jump to what do you desperately need then? So what is is that her main drive and ambition? She wants to beat death. She wants to. That's why she's studied magic. She wants she wants to be immortal. She is. That's why she is so obsessed with magic. That's why she's so obsessed with the arcane. She is she is going to beat it. She's going to live forever. Fame. She's going to live forever. Is there anyone that Gandhi is close to? Well, one of the things about wizards is they have what's called a sanctum sanctorum. Uh-huh. Uh, and I decided to make hers uh, kind of mobile. Um, there's no rail service, I guess, to, to Dry River. No. So she has this Black Mariah, which was a a police vehicle, a great big rolling a paddy wagon a paddy wagon yeah and so she's converted this paddy like wagon in carriage form yeah right and this paddy wagon is uh is, is her sanctum sanctorum and it, she's it's loaded up with all of her arcane artifacts and everything else uh and it's horse drawn and uh, the sanctum sanctorum allows you to have a very knowledgeable assistant so she has this <laughs> Her assistant is a haunted doll. Fantastic. Uh, uh, a homunculus, they call him. And and uh, uh, his name is uh, Michael. And <laughs> Michael uh, is uh, her coachman, too. He, he drives the horses. 
but he's like this repository of arcane knowledge. Uh, he dresses in robes from the Italian Renaissance. Well, so let me ask you this then, keeping in mind that these are real things in this world. Is it a ghost of a person that is inhabiting this doll or a demonic spirit? I don't know. I don't know. Does um, Gandhi know? Uh, oh, yeah. Gandhi knows. Okay. Well, you created the Gandhi, so. <laughs> I would say probably. Dad, you're out. You're out there when she doesn't know. Demon. I'd say it's possessed okay. by a demon. Excellent. Um, I'm curious to hear the moves, because this is like the the third magic user that we've had across the different campaigns. Yeah, I'm wondering and how I've never really used a magic user. I don't count <laughs> I don't count Merle. <laughs> Excellent. Okay. Um and so it's just nice to hear you say it. A wizard yeah. gets uh spells uh they can use. Um so the wizard moves are basically channeling, which is kind of you collecting your magic, gathering your magic. And the Sanctum Sanctorum, using the Sanctum Sanctorum, is also a move. Um, and then you get to choose three spells. And I tried to... I picked three that I... I, I, I like balanced characters. Um, so uh, Gandhi is going to be able to summon Elementalism, which is, like, the only offensive thing she has. Um, and shielding, which I thought it might be nice to have somebody who could do some protecting, but also tracking. I thought that would be really important to, to what we're trying to do. And so you can track somebody to learn their location magically. And, and Dad, Dad and I talked about it, uh, in creating his character where I think what we came to is in this, uh, supernatural context, like. Because power specifically is different from mortal, right? So uh, this is not a mortal human being who can do magic. This is someone who has taken on power and become different. And so what it is is Gandhi has magic and then carries foci that allow her to use that magic in specific ways. Right. I didn't. I didn't want her to be an all powerful spell slinger or anything that she wanted to come up with. She could. She basically has th these three spells, and they work through artifacts that she carries. Tell us, Dad, a little bit about the uh, wizard specific corruption move. Oh yeah, drama moves. The wizard corruption move is if you strike a deal with somebody dark and powerful, you got to mark corruption. Yeah. So I'm thinking that maybe. Well, for instance, if she uses Michael, if that's a demon, would that not make her take yeah, on well, it, it depends. You could use him, but then if there's some kind of deal of like, well, I could tell you that, which also I think then is another good balance where Michael doesn't just give you all the information you need. Right. It gives you, maybe you've already struck a deal for certain levels of information and certain levels of power, and okay. you have to make the decision of how much deeper do you go. Kind of like Bob. Yeah, like yeah, Bob. Right. Yep. Um, that's another and, Dresden file, not just a weird, my friend, Bob, <laughs> you know, my friend, Bob, don't make deals with Bob. <laughs> what is the look? Um, so you said that Gandhi is female, right? She's female. She is Asian, specifically East Asian, right? Yeah. Yeah. That's how you described her to us earlier. It's weird. That's like not in the list for character creation in this game, but I think it would behoove us to be a, a little bit more specific. And you know, I think she has really embraced the uh, 
the investigator, the, uh, the, you know, I think she would dress in dark colors. I think, you know, in variations of standard Western wear, like maybe, uh, uh, so in the options, archaic clothing, comfortable clothing, dark clothing, fancy clothing, I go dark, but at the same time, I think she would dress, you know, with pants and a, you know, a cool vest and a, maybe a duster, although we just used a duster. I will write down cool vest, but you're going to have to prove to me that such a thing exists. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Mr. James I'm West just, on it, the it, Wild wait, Wild West. If, if you're about to jump on Twitter to tell me about how cool your vest is, that was a joke. <laughs> I own vest too. Yeah. Vests are great. I'm ju- just a little friendly ribbon betwixt my dad and I. Yeah. Can I talk about mine now? Uh, real quick, because it just occurred to me I haven't mentioned this yet. So um, in in uh, Monster of the Week, to compare it, uh, you level up your character when you fail a bunch, right? So if you fail enough, you get to level up. One of the things that they do in Urban Shadows to encourage you to deal with other factions outside of your own and make faction moves is every time you interact with a faction, you get to mark that faction. And when you fill up all four of them, that's how you more or less level up your character. And so it it really drives you to play more with the interactions with the with the other groups and interpersonal interactions. Anyways, I just thought that was a cool thing that we hadn't touched on yet. Okay, Griffin. Tell me about your character. Uh, so Travis, in, in us creating our characters, Travis. I thought you were going to name your character Travis. So you Travis, what an, o- what an honor that would be. Um, Travis kind of encouraged us to ha- try to have characters that uh, are in these different groups, specifically werewolves and vampires. And I made my character last because I was working on finishing up Amnesty, and we didn't have one of those either. Uh, either one of those. And so I was trying to f- figure out a way to do a werewolf or a vampire that would be like interesting to me um, because I'm not super interested in doing something that kind of already ex- exists in the world, like following the strict vampire or werewolf rules, even though we get to like tailor what those are. Um, I, I, I didn't think would be like particularly satisfying. And so what I landed on is uh, I'm making a werewolf. The class is called the wolf. It's a member of night. Uh, and he's a hunky teen named Jacob. No. I could. I got so excited for a second. I know. I was like, oh, yeah. Now we're rocking into that next level. No, what made it click was uh, Travis mentioned that- Make this podcast commercial. You know? Tra- Travis mentioned that this was a game kind of about politics, and that kind of resonated with me. The idea of a werewolf uh, pack being a political thing inherently right like they have territory that they control and there are hierarchies of of power inside of a werewolf pack and all that that stuff i thought was interesting and so i kind of blended that with my idea uh which is a a werewolf uh former politician um somebody who i think used to live in like a, a larger city than dry river and was a local politician i've done some some uh some research and it's actually kind of tough to find there was there was not a lot of like codified political structures in small cities especially unincorporated territories like dry river and so uh i i think he was like something akin to like a a city council member or an alderman somebody who had a very hyper localized sort of uh area of of influence travis also encouraged us not to make all like 
purely good characters, but I liked the idea of somebody who once was a very idealistic, uh, uh, you know, pol- politician, a uh, Mr. Smith goes to Washington kind of type, um, but also somebody who was like very ambitious. Like, I think my character wanted to be president one day, um, but his sort of werewolf uh, transformation and powers started to manifest, and then that sort of became kind of a non-starter. Um, his name is Errol Ryehouse, um, and so so when these powers started to manifest, his wolf nature started to manifest, I think he wanted to stop it. I think he wanted a way out um, because he wanted to be president, and um, we can make this world what you what you want it, but I still think a, a he was worried about trying to be a werewolf president, right? So he tried to go. So, to be fair, coming this summer, where we're president. president. So he tried to find a way out of it, and that is where I found what I think uh, was interesting about this character, and it was something I had to kind of work with Travis on to make it work for the game. He sought out a magical means of reversing his lycanthropy, and it went wrong, and now he is permanently half transformed between human and werewolf he is he is permanently imagine in teen wolf or i, I mean any werewolf movie but t- for me teen wolf was the anchor here uh that we're starting to get you know a little hairy starting to transform a little bit and then you know like uh-oh it's about to go down except for him it's just always about to go down he is constantly mid mid transformation and that required kind of some tailoring of this class and how it operates um specifically the wolf has a whole section about the transformation where you uh have these latent things that you get as a benefit you get uh natural weaponry for plus two harm and one armor uh, armor is the thing in this game it functions basically the same way as it did in monster of the week um so he has that stuff but then you get to pick these other powers where you pick two powers and two weaknesses and because he's just always half transformed i think he only gets one power and one weakness um and that is that he has uh even a, more armor on top of that he has two armor naturally his weakness was tough for me because a lot of these were sort of geared around like there's one that's you can't resist the change when it comes. So the thing that I thought would be more interesting for Travis is to just lean into one sort of established piece of werewolf lore, which is that silver weapons ignore my armor. So he Excellent. is like an, he's an armored character, right? And that's like his big benefit is that he's a, he's tough because he is he's always half transformation unless somebody knows his weakness, which is silver. And as, as like, as cliche as that is, like, I think it lets you do some really interesting stuff. Um, just, just to establish that piece of supernatural lore too, in the world, why that's such a great pick is one of the hereditary traits of werewolves in this world I've created is an allergy to silver. And so from most, you know, it manifests in different forms, just as people have different reactions to different allergies. And I love that for Errol, it's like poison. You know what I mean? It's not just like, oh, it causes a little bit of discomfort and itching. It's like, no, 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 no. This is severe. Well, and everyone who has like superpowers also needs a weakness. And as literal as this is, like, I think it could be really interesting. So what's cool about the wolf class, and the reason why I thought a werewolf politician would be so interesting is you have a mechanic called your territory, um, and I'm using some of the same vernacular tra- that Travis is using. My territory is not Dry River. It is an area inside of Dry River. And I think the the fiction there is that he once was a local politician in his hometown. And I think despite the fact that that like, part of his life is kind of over, he still wants to 
fight for a neighborhood. And and that's what his territory is, is a neighborhood. And in the in sort of the game's language, it is like a werewolf territory. It is your hunting grounds. And while you are in there, you have certain benefits and there are certain things you kind of have to watch out for while you defend that territory. But for him, it is a literal political territory. It is his neighborhood. Um, so my territory, I get to choose some stuff. It spans several city blocks. Uh, the people here work to uh, work hard to keep the streets safe from crime, basically. And so it's like a nice part of town because of his his guardianship, his stewardship. Um, but there is a some sort of presence more powerful than me that the people in the territory swear fealty to. That is probably like the actual, uh, you know, mayor or sheriff of of this town. Like the people are grateful for Errol's support, but like. They still have to, like, do the regular town shit. Um, I left a lot of blanks because I didn't know that much about what Dry River was, and I thought that Travis could help me fill fill in the gaps a little bit more. Uh, and also, mortals in the area are actively uh, trying to revitalize local businesses and architecture. Um, kind of like a Goonies-esque vibe, where, like, I think this is just a residential area in the town that he tries to keep safe despite this, like, quiet war that is happening in, in Dry River for control. Um, but like on top of that, also it's a town that is maybe changing a little bit and he is trying to like resist that change because I think the more it changes, the less, less power and less control he has in that territory and all of his moves stem from that. So like, um, I, I'm like really good at hunting people down in my territory. I'm really good at, um, persuading people in my territory. I actually roll, there's different stats in the game and, uh, heart is what you usually roll with when you have to like persuade somebody. It's like your charisma. Um, but there's also a stat called blood that is like the raw power in your blood, which werewolves are like all about. And in your territory, you actually roll with that to persuade people. And and so this there's is there's so different good, ditto. Thanks, man. Yeah, so there's different like benefits that he he gets from being a werewolf politician when he's specifically in his neighborhood. And it's such a different way of doing business than he used to do it, right? He's not he's not getting out there pressing the flesh and kissing babies. I don't think anybody would, you know, let him let him get that close to a, their baby at this point. Um, but it's it's a, it is a way of interpreting these two things in a way that I think is going to be really really cool. Um, so that how, is, how do the people in his territory feel about him af, at, now that he's half? Uh, yeah, I th- uh, well, well, I think they've only known him as half werewolf because he came to Dry uh, River. I think that he came to Dry River as like. I think a dry river is a place where you can be as a as a uh, as a werewolf or as a vampire, right? Just to, and, just to jump in real quick, just to give you and the listeners kind of the way I'm envisioning the territory as a whole and how dry river fits in there. So I think about it a lot, like Los Angeles, right? Where it's, Los Angeles is this gigantic city. And within it, you have like the Valley and West Hollywood and Venice Beach, and you have all of these individual neighborhoods that have within themselves like their own local governments and their own kind of like their you know they're the mayor of hollywood and that kind of thing and so dry river would be like culver city you know what i mean where it is the thing and then crescent territory is like los angeles as a whole Got right it. so when when you talk about your territory yes absolutely you you all do not live in dry river but dry river exists within a territory and within a section of Crescent territory that I right. definitely think you have influence over. And his his territory I still have I have not like nailed it down, but I think it's just the place where people live. I don't think it's like the business district. 
I don't think mm-hmm. it's like the main, uh, you know, political hub of the city. I think that he is, he is not, I, I, I think he is, uh, it, so just like looking at his faction stats, it's basically across the board, like, okay. I, I think he doesn't, I don't think he is necessarily ingratiated with the werewolf community because he's half werewolf. I don't think he's necessarily beloved by the human community outside of his territory because he's half human. Like, I think, I think that there's, I think he's kind of, uh, in, in between somewhere. Um, and, and like, that's the kind of stuff that I want to explore with him. This idea of, yeah, werewolves are political and he is just now trying to learn what that what that means as a former politician because he has these skills and he's still a very idealistic very good person it's just there's there's he he's had to change the way he thinks about um about politics and interpersonal relationships and how he is able to help the 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 city in which he lives and they will so, love him as long as the garbage gets picked up on time and the potholes right. get fixed. Uh, well, I think that's I think that's low. how he I think that's how he joins up no, with I'm the Graysons. Yeah. yeah, I think he I think he joins up with the Graysons for this reason. Is he just sees the Graysons as like, well, they're they're trying to help, and so that's why I'm that's why I'm here. This this job got maybe a little bit too big just for him to do alone, and but the Graysons seem to have their shit in order and can can are are doing some good or not if not good are helping to balance the city out and some uh, kind of the order. territory out establish some kind of order yeah um so did a run me through just on the basic levels like look demeanor um that kind of stuff and then we'll do uh the intro questions and figure out your debts and dad i also realized uh, we did not nail down your debts. We'll get back to that in a second. Yeah, so uh, I went with mail, uh, and then um, I, I I want him to be uh, a Latinx dude, which is again like I I want to like drive this home. Like I do not want to. It, it would be kind of problematic if it was like he is Latinx and also a big monstrous beast. That is like absolutely not what I am going for for this character because I think that'd be very bad. Um, but when, just when I thought about this character being this sort of, you know, community leader um, and uh, idealistic politician and uh, sort of everything else about him, I, I sort of just envisioned him as 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 Latinx. Um, and then for clothing, I had baggy clothing, concealing clothing, dark clothing, dirty clothing. Um, I went with concealing clothing. I'm imagining like a like a coat with a some sort of hooded garment underneath it. Um, which I don't, I'm not thinking of it as concealing and like he is embarrassed of being half transformed all the time, but rather like, uh, it, it helps him in certain situations where there may be, there people might have questions about, uh, hey, like, why are you half, half werewolf, half human? Uh, where I don't think he minds answering those questions, but it might be a little bit more convenient when he's on like an investigation. Like there may be times where it is it is beneficial to just kind of get in, get out uh, un- unnoticed. Uh, sometimes, not that he's a particularly stealthy character, but I think he likes having the the option. Um, and then for demeanor, there was aggressive, no; feral, no; violent, no; and then excitable. Okay, <laughs> okay. If it's not going to be the other three, sure. Let's let's. I think he is probably pretty a pretty excitable dude. Um, And and, uh, what I also really like about excitable compared to the other three is like excitable can, can apply in so many different ways. Cause it can be like, he's passionate about his community and he gets excited at the idea of like, 
you know, improving something, or it can be like he's just enthusiastic about yeah, new sure, opportunity, whatever. And yeah, so it, it's a good kind of descriptor of someone who maybe reacts to a lot of things in a lot of positive, excitable ways. Yeah. Okay, so let me ask you some uh, some of the intro questions. Right? How long have you been? In this territory and with the Graysons, it sounds like kind of a lifelong territory thing. No, no, no. Because remember, he like moved. Oh, he right, moved. Right, he right. moved here after his his uh, his sort of botched uh, attempt to shed his his lycanthropy. I, I think he's only been in Dry River for like eight eight months or so. Feels right to me. Like I think he's probably been one in the of territory. the territory just to keep nailing down. Yes, the, yes. Sorry, okay. sorry. Um, and. In in that time, he has sort of started to work for the community and learned, or has at least started to learn, like how he can he can continue to be this like community leader and uh you know community supporter uh with his with his sort of new new half werewolf sort of thing that he's you know, got going. So keeping that in mind, one of the questions is what's the best thing about the change? But I think I'm going to change that a little bit to ask. What's the best thing that came out of the the trying to shed the curse, trying to shed the genetic part of it? I mean, I like the what's the best thing of the change, because if I'm I, talking mechanically, he's got minus one heart and that's like your charisma stat. So he mm-hmm. maybe wasn't the best poli- like he wasn't the most um, uh, charismatic politician. Right. But now he has like a new way of doing things and that new way actually works for him a lot better than the old way did so i I think in a lot of ways like he has learned a lot more about community and um and and all that since he became a werewolf so i think I, i i think i think that's why he's kind of leaned into it and that's why he's not like embarrassed of the change and not like any anything like that it's it's it is just a different it's a different way of of being a community leader that is actually kind of better um, and who is the most important person in the in the territory to you? I, I kind of left that question up to you because I don't I don't know about the politics of this town, but I still think he thinks of like the mayor or the governor of the territory or whoever's in charge here as as the as the most important person. And he probably disagrees with a lot of their decisions. He's probably mm-hmm. very opinionated about that stuff, but that's that's probably the answer. To that. Oh, I like that because I, I like that as a general answer that then we can figure out more specifically as mm-hmm. we play of just like he likes he likes people who bring order to the territory and people who, you know, are not necessarily in control because there will be criminal organizations and, you know, business interests. But this idea of like social control, order, structure. Yeah. Yeah. OK. Um, what do you desperately need? Um, I, so again, like I wanted to push away from like, he wanted to also because like after talking about our characters, I don't want it to be the same as Justin's thing. Like he's not looking for a way to fix this because I don't think he sees it as something that's broken. Um, I think for him, like his main drive is keeping his territory safe, um, which I think can be really interesting because there's a lot of stuff in the game about your territory changing and coming under these threats that, uh, you've established. Do you think it's fair to say then that he... Because obviously he did at some point want to change it. Do you, is it fair to say that he sort of like learned a lesson from that, like about like who accepting who he is rather than trying to like why what ch- is is the botch transformation like something that changed it, 
changed his mind about yeah, that. Yeah, for like, sure. For sure. To sort of accept who he was. I, I, yeah, I think absolutely. Not to put words in your mouth. But no, I think that's. What... A, I think that's a good way of putting it because I think he kind of now recognizes, like, oh, if I was just still a werewolf that transformed the usual way that werewolves transformed, I would kind of slot more neatly into these these like categories that would make it politically speaking probably easier to do what I want to do. But now that I'm here, like this is, this is what the situation is. And I have had to become comfortable with that too. Um, But, but to me, that's like kind of separate from this thing, which is like his main motivating drive is his territory and keeping it safe. Cause he wants to, he wants to do what he can, not just to like protect the people who live in his territory from whatever sort of struggles are happening in this city between the different factions, but also like the usual city stuff like dad mentioned the trash being taken out on time like i think he does think about that stuff and he wants to make sure that the the territory and dry river are doing well and that his territory his his territory is benefiting from that uh, i also want to mention he has uh he, he's good at like hunting and stuff because he does have like these wolf powers and that's his drama move whenever i begin a hunt for someone i mark corruption basically anytime that i like lean into uh, my my like powers or whatever i i it does it does sort of uh it, it taps into this this thing that is kind of against his nature a little bit um that's not so much necessarily talking about like the political side of things that's like his main jam but anytime he does sort of need to push the limits a little bit of his his wolf powers um it it sort of goes against his nature and he marks corruption okay so uh justin with uh, Augustus, we established that there was a, a debt to the church, two debts to the church, and then I assume also uh, a debt to, you said you were haunting uh, Altizer, so yeah. there's probably a debt there. Um, and then there's one more, let me find it. Can you add debts as the story goes along? Oh, yes. Oh, debts are changing constantly. That's what it is. Um, and then those are two of your three, and then the other one is someone or someone's progenitor was involved in your death, they owe you a debt. Um, do you have, is is there anything along the lines of, of Augustus's death that is blamed on someone else? Um, yeah, the, the, uh, one of, one of the mining companies, we were sort of squabbling over territory and my belief is, I don't have concrete proof of this, but my belief is that he had me killed. Okay, so maybe to like keep you quiet about it. They have an admitted fault. The finest, the finest cashew farming land in the area is also very rich in uh, mineral deposits. Excellent. And he and he wanted the land for himself, and he couldn't buy me out because I'm a bitter old man. Excellent, excellent. So there's there's like there was his name is Flint Chittles. (laughs) (laughs) Wait, that's the name of the Flint Chittles. You owe me big, Flint. Chittles, perfect. <laughs> um, uh, Dad, tell me. Do you want to know something weird, Travis? Uh huh. I just came up with that name. <laughs> no. <laughs> Can we do that? My I owe a debt to Boop strongly. <laughs> yeah, hold on. Let me write it down. You guys probably thought I came up with that for a long time, but no. I just did it just now. Yeah, that's Flint amazing. Chittles. Um, so if it means what? anything, I believe you, Justin. Thank you, Dad. Thank um, you for believing in me. In Wizard, your debts, your starting debts, are someone is helping you keep the demons at bay. You owe them a debt. Someone is your go-to when you get in trouble. You owe them two debts. And you are helping someone keep a dangerous secret. They owe you a debt. All right. The the go-to when I get into trouble is Chint 
Flittles. Come on. <laughs> is it Flint Flint Chittles? No. Stay in your lane. Chint, no, Flint Chittles is Chint Flittles. Is, no. no, Flint no. Chittles is mine. You can't also you can't steal the inf- you can't make a parody of mine. It's not even on Tumblr yet, Mac. All right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. I'll do the parody later. I think it would be more interesting if uh Michael. Now I can't I can't remember which one is mine, Flint Chittles or Chin Flittles. Flint oh, Chittles. I wrote it down. Okay, so Michael, your homunculus. Yeah, my yeah. haunted doll. I think I think that Michael is the go-to when she gets in trouble. Excellent. And she owes she owes him two debt. And I I think we've already kind of touched on that to say like Michael is your source of information, and so has our like you've already made this promise twice, you know. So like, there's then the opportunity for more debts to be offered, but we've already established that that is why he is so free with information to you because you owe two debts already. Um, so and I was thinking, I was I I don't know who the other two at the, but I was thinking, what if, what if uh, one uh, either Augustus or uh, Errol has a debt? Can can I have a debt? Yes, absolutely. One of them? Well, what I'm saying is maybe maybe what? Uh, uh, hey, Dad, do you know the job that brought you to town? What just a thought? What if what if I hired to, Gandy to help? I was thinking to help Augustus. No, to investigate Flint Chittles. Oh, okay. So I can try to prove that he was the one who killed me. That's kind of is that that's kind of fun, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, I like great. that. Awesome. Yeah, I would love that. So that would be we'll put uh, we'll put that in uh, the first one. So you owe uh, you owe Augustus a debt, and then are you keeping someone's terrible secret? Or if we want to just say someone owes you a debt for some reason. I can answer that maybe with my debts. Maybe we can make this the same thing. Okay, so yeah, you you go ahead. Yeah, I have uh, someone is hiding you from someone or something powerful. You owe them a debt. And I thought it could be cool to use that uh, with with Gandhi through some sort of magical means because she has shielding magic. Uh, She is keeping my presence sort of off the books from somebody back in the old family, maybe back in the town where I'm from, where I started out that I kind of ran away from. Uh, after things went south, um, and so for for that reason, I actually owe okay. Let me Gandhi help out that. with this then, please. So do. let's say because I I have in my fiction there is a kind of head of a criminal magical criminal organization known only as the Banshee, and you mm-hmm. know nothing else about them. They are very very secret. No one's ever met them and lived. But let's say that uh, in trying to reverse the curse, as it were, Errol made a deal with the Banshees organization um, yes, and then good. didn't didn't deliver. And good. that's why the the halfway transformation. Yes. Good. Curse. Yes. Good. And good. And yes, because one of my debts is someone is living in your territory benefiting from your protection. They owe you a debt. And I think this would be the the the, the woman, a wizard, another wizard who tried this transformation tried to tried to uh cast this spell that went wrong was probably a member of banshee's uh f- former sort of clique and was excommunicated and Perfect. so it's it, and and uh so i am trying to keep her hidden in my neighborhood her name is boop strongly uh-huh. and no her name is let me look at a random name generator i liked boop strongly but how about uh daria daria Cross. Okay. Daria Cross is her name. Uh, she was the one who tried to transform me, and it didn't work out. And there, but there's no bad blood. Um, 
Okay. And so she owes me a debt because I am I'm I am sort of as as uh as Gandhi is keeping me sort of hidden from the banshee uh Daria is uh also, you know, here. Is that too uh snake eating its own tail no 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 i love this because i was going to suggest the second one here is someone hired you for a job and you fucked it up i think that's augustus i think i was also hired by augustus to investigate this maybe and maybe that could because you want this team to exist before we get into this story maybe that's what maybe that's what first brought us together and the reason that augustus doesn't know uh whether or not this uh whether or not flint was his killer or not is because i did something during the investigation that fucking ruined the whole thing okay we can play with that more because i would love to explore later if you did that on purpose to save flint chittle's life like you knew that if augustus could prove it then the same might be dealt upon flint yes so i owe gandy one debt i owe augustus two debts and Daria owes me one debt. Great. So you see this you see this being a 40 episode arc. I'm Everybody, this is Griffin McRoy, your best friend, your werewolf president, and I'm here to read the ads because we forgot to record them while we were doing this setup episode. Sorry for skipping next week. I mentioned this on Twitter, but Justin and Sydney just had uh, another baby, and she's doing very well, and we're very, very happy for them and wanted to give Juice a little time off for some paternity leave. I'm going to try to get through this quick so you can listen to the last few minutes of this episode. St- stick around for a hot little piece of narration that Travis reads to set everything up and We will see you again next week for the first episode of The Adventure Zone Dust. We have an aura frame here at our house, and we primarily use it to show pictures of our kids and the fun stuff that we do. And my favorite thing about it is that it's so easy to upload pictures on that as soon as we get home from doing something fun, we just immediately put the pictures up there so we don't forget to do it. You know, because I, I've tried, we try to do picture frames and stuff in the past, and then we never remember to put them on. But with Aura, it's so easy to load it up that it has become kind of a, a digital scrapbook more than anything else. So if you have been looking to get the pictures that are trapped in your phone and set them free in a way that other people can see them, might I recommend Aura Frames. They're stylish, they're easy to use, you're gonna love it. And it was named the number one digital picture frame by Wirecutter, and for a good reason. It's so easy to set up, and they have different frame options, all kinds. And the best part is it comes with unlimited storage. So, right now you can save on the perfect gift that keeps on giving by visiting AuraFrames.com. For a limited time, listeners can get $20 off their best-selling frames with code ADVENTURE. That's A-U-R-A, frames.com, promo code ADVENTURE. Terms and conditions apply. Hello, it's me, the internet's Travis McRoy. Yes, that's right, powerful influencer, Travis McRoy. You know, people are always asking me, Travis... How did you become such a powerful influencer in the world? Well, I'll let you in on my secret. It's Squarespace. Yes, that's right. Squarespace, the all-in-one platform for building your brand and growing your business online. You can stand out with a beautiful website, engage with your audience, and sell anything. Your products, content you create, or even your time. What? What influencer doesn't do that? I ask you. I'll wait. That's right. None of them. They all do that, and you can do it with Squarespace. 
Okay, here's uh, just as an aside, you can also use Squarespace even if you're uh, not an influencer, um, and even if the idea of being an influencer uh, makes you throw up a little bit in your mouth, don't worry, Squarespace is still useful. With Fluid Engine, a next-generation website design system from Squarespace, it's never been easier for anyone to unlock unbreakable creativity. With Fluid Engine, a next-generation website design system from Squarespace, it's never been easier for anyone to unlock unbreakable creativity. Start with the best-in-class website template and customize every design detail with reimagined drag-and-drop technology for desktop or mobile. With Squarespace scheduling, clients can quickly view your availability and book their own reservations, appointments, or classes, and you can sell products on an online store. Whether you sell physical or digital products, Squarespace has the tools for you. So go to squarespace.com adventure for a free trial, and when you're ready to launch, use offer code ADVENTURE to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. Chicago! We're coming to you. We're coming for you. We're coming at you. And we're also coming to C2E2. And we're doing live shows. All a bunch of stuff in April. April 24th, we're going to be doing My Brother, My Brother and Me, which is nearly sold out. And Taz, which is selling out fast. So do not wait. April 25th is Taz. April 24th is My Brother, My Brother and Me. April 26th through the 28th, we're doing C2E2. Schedule to be announced. You can get your C2E2 badges now, but you do not need a badge to attend the live shows. Tickets for those shows are on sale at bit.ly slash Tours. All the information is there. Go check it out. Also, we've got a newsletter in case you've been wondering what's the best way to keep up with our new tour dates and announcements and stuff like that. Go to bit.ly slash newsletter. And of course, check out all of the merch over at macroymerch.com. A lot of great stuff. Fungalore sticker pack, um, naming of the year poster. Uh, we've got the little Sailor Man pin. And 10% of all proceeds this month go to the Foundation for Black Women's Wellness. So go check it out, macroymerch.com. And now, back to the show. I want to tell you about the Writing Alchemy podcast, which you can find at writingalchemy.net or subscribe to Writing Alchemy on Stitcher or iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. The Writing Alchemy podcast includes fairy tales with marginalized characters and lively stories that tackle serious topics while maintaining the whimsical magic and humor that makes fairy tales great. The Writing Alchemy podcast also includes Unfamiliar Heroes, a project in which disabled and mentally diverse people play tabletop role-playing games where their characters have disabilities and diverse minds. Check out Writing Alchemy at writingalchemy.net or subscribe on your favorite pod catcher. Are people still calling them pod catchers? I feel like I haven't heard that term in a while. Anyway, this podcast sounds fucking phenomenal. Go go check them out, writingalchemy.net. I also want to tell you about the secrets of the Kraken. Here's the, the description they've provided. When Captain Kate Molyneux agreed to transport an ancient map, she was thinking only of getting out of debt. Should I do like a fun like narrator voice? Maybe. She didn't... Ad- No, that's weird. She didn't imagine she'd be chasing murderers, running from pirates, dodging sea monsters, and picking up strange but adorable runaways. The Secrets of the Kraken is a book for people who like elevators in their fantasy. Oh, you've... Welcome home. Terry Pratchett, Firefly, and Cowboy Bebop found families and character-driven stories. I don't know if those are things inside the show or just like shit that I'm into right now. But anyway, it's available on all major platforms at bit.ly slash get... S-O-T-K. That's bit.ly slash get S-O-T-K. That's Secrets of the Kraken. It sounds like a, a neat little book. 
Uh, that's it for the ads. Again, stick around for uh, the, the last few minutes of this episode. And thank you for tweeting about the show using the, the ZoneCast hashtag. We sure do appreciate it. you you spreading the word. Uh, we don't pay to advertise the show at all. I think Travis is planning on naming some characters after people who send tweets with the, the ZoneCast hashtag. At least that's what he said in the setup episode. Uh, so so get those tweets and you might end up as a character in the show or I guess an agency in the show. I I, I, I don't know. I'm not running this one, gang. Uh, and thanks again to Maximum Fun for having us. Go to MaximumFun.org and check out all the great podcasts there. You're just going to love them. If you want to hear more stuff that we do, go to McElroyShows.com. Uh, I think that is it. We will be back next week with the first proper episode of The Adventure Zone Dust. So we'll talk to you then. Bye. Um, okay, so... I think all of that is a really great start. Well, I feel like, can you give a two-minute-long sort of overview of the rules? Because we didn't even talk about the fact that there are basic moves uh, that sort of cover all the actions. If you listen to to Amnesty, all that stuff is virtually the same. Yeah, so there are basic moves. There are also specific faction moves you, you use in investigation or talking to people. And, you know, I think all of that will become clear in, when we play, I would rather use it in context because right now it would just be a lot of words, yeah. uh, a lot of hollow, empty words. Um, but I want to read the I've written uh, a thing that's like the lead up to and go with the action. So, OK, we can well, wrap up here. I'll start playing the theme music that I haven't written yet right now. Welcome to Dry River. Back before the drought, you used to call it Twin River. The town was settled on a big spit of land nestled between where the river split and then flowed back in itself. Of course, that was back when the river flowed. All that's left now is the dry bed, just a ravine, really. North and South Bridge used to be bustling with folks traveling west who would stop and spend some time in our thriving little town. Now folks give Dry River a wide pass. They've heard stories. When the water flowed, people came business thrived and the fleshes, the fangs, and the furs all lived peaceful. Now every day it gets a little worse. The fangs and the furs snarl at each other, waiting for the other to make the first move. The fleshes just keep their eyes low and hope to stay out of it all. The peace, if you can call it that, was barely holding. Then, tonight, we found Jeremiah Blackwell dead in the street. Jeremiah was the eldest of Joseph Blackwell, Blackwell Sr. is just about the most respected fang in town, not to mention the richest, thanks to the copper mine up north. All the other fangs seem to look to him when it comes to matters. As if his eldest dying suddenly weren't trouble enough, it has every sign of an attack by one of the furs, Dylan Mathis. Now nobody seems to have seen the murder, but Nick Winstead was leaving the Sterling late last night and found Dylan hunched over Blackwell's body. Dylan's clothes soaked through with blood, the three of you work for the Grayson Agency. Grayson agents are detectives, bodyguards, arbiters, enforcers, whatever the client needs. What they ain't is lawmen. Abigail Mathis, Dylan's mother and owner of the silver mine south of town, had hired Grayson's as arbiters, but didn't state in the telegram what it is you'd be handling. You had only just dropped your bags in your rooms above the Sterling when Deputy Rosa showed up to bring you to Sheriff Connors. When Connors first brought Dylan in, he wouldn't shut up about his innocence. Now he's keeping quiet, wary. 
Abigail and Connors have agreed to bring you all in on this to try to sort it out. It's midnight now. At 8 a.m., the whole town is going to be awake. Once they find out what's happening, all hell is going to break loose. You have eight hours. Good luck. MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Listener supported. Hey, this is Griffin McElroy. Hi, this is Rachel McElroy. And we've got a new podcast on Maximum Fun called Wonderful. Wonderful. It's an enthusiast podcast where we talk about things that we're excited about and things that you're excited about. Things like overalls. 24 hours Sudafed. The grand prize game. The fact that wombats use their butts to kill predators. The soundtrack to the movie Dick Tracy. The beach potion we call Bud Light Line. All these things and more every Wednesday. And we'll also talk about things that you're excited about. You can find us on MaximumFun.org or iTunes or wherever. I don't know. Just search Wonderful. Google it. You'll probably get there. I love forget me not. I'm Jesse. I'm Jordan. And we've been doing Jordan Jesse Go for almost 10 years now. And it's not gotten any easier to describe. So we asked our fans to do it for us. Jordan Jesse Go is a weekly conversation with two best pals, two hilarious friends, the hilarious smart kids talking about hilarious stuff that happens to them, mostly really stupid stuff, awkward anecdotes, insane tangents, heartfelt stuff. It's like being thrown in the middle of a hilarious conversation between you and your best pals. It's a show that makes me laugh every week, which is pretty rare and wonderful. It might be the best thing on the internet. One of the funniest things you will hear. And it's the best part of my week and has kept me company for the past seven years through all sorts of life. I love those guys. That's Jordan Jesse Go, the comedy podcast that's been named Best of iTunes. Every Monday on MaximumFun.org or your favorite podcasting software. I'll hug you and kiss you and love you. Love you. Love you.